Uh, good morning, guys. It's lovely to see you. And I don't know about you, but for me, I- I'm really pleased. Life's slowly starting to feel a little bit more normal. You know, we're creeping out of that sort of lockdown mentality. But I'm going to say something controversial. Please don't boo me. Uh, there were some good things about lockdown. All right. No, genuinely, there were there were some good things for me anyway about lockdown. The first thing was it just gave us as a family a bit of time and space. And I hadn't realized how manic and busy our lives were till all of a sudden I couldn't do all these different things. And so it gave us time and space. Darren and I spent a lot of time walking, which just gave us time to talk without teenagers earwigging, which was brilliant. Um, but I just, it also more importantly gave me time to reflect on where I was at in my life where I was at with God in particular. And during lockdown, I spent a bit of time in Mark's gospel. And if I'm really honest, I sort of fell in love with Jesus all over again. I read Mark's gospel and I realised, you know, I looked at the things that he did, the way he treated people, the, the things, the way in which he taught. And I just fell in love with Jesus again. Forgive me this brief summary, but he was tempted. He picked fishermen as his ordinary, uh, his picked fishermen as his followers, even though they were only ordinary people. He was not afraid or put off by the ordinary people with messy lives. He healed people, he uh, forgave people, he supplied the needs of people, and he taught in a way that was not clever, but in a way that would help people understand. He taught a new radical way, not self-seeking, but seeking God and putting others first. He was praised and he was persecuted, but he remained the same, whatever the people around him said. He was killed, he rose again, and he ascended. What a man. Can I give you my first bit of encouragement this morning? These points that I'm going to think, talk about today are literally things that have been brewing in my head over lockdown. But my first encouragement is, can I encourage you to read the gospel again? Just pick one and just read it. And just try and take a step back and read it like you've never read it before. Because if you do, I'm sure you'll come to the same conclusion as me. Wow, what a man. No wonder he's changed the world. You know, for some of you, you may never have actually read the gospel yourself. I know there's quite um, a few people in today, and I I don't want to assume that you've actually read the gospel. You might have come to church for quite a long time, but you've never maybe actually physically read it yourselves. Read it. Jesus is phenomenal. Adrian Plass puts it like this. When the reality of my faith seems to be slipping away, I return to the world where Jesus walked as a man all those many years ago. I tag along with him and his mother and his disciples and I watch the miracles, listen to the stories, hear the preaching and journey and and join in with the meals. No one seems to mind me being there. On the contrary, I feel welcome. And above all, I simply allow myself to be affected by the power and the personality of the man who was God. And and the one who, incredibly, reads these enthralling but severely edited accounts of his own ministry over my shoulder. Do you know, he allows himself to be affected by the power and personality. And you know, during lockdown, that was probably one of the best things for me. Reading those gospels again and realizing what an amazing man Jesus Christ was. And I know that is so fundamental and simple, but we can read the gospels and become so familiar. So guys, can I ask you to encourage you to read the gospel like it's the first time you've read it? 
I do just want to quickly digress, though, a little bit, because there was one story, though, that Jesus told that really impacted me again. And it was the story of the prodigal son. And I really felt I should share this this morning because I feel it's really relevant for a few people here. And it's really been on my heart to share this. The story of the prodigal son, I've probably taught to Sundays in Sunday school probably, oh, I don't know, 20, 30 times. You know, it's a really good story. You can act it out with the kids. You can have the prodigal sat with the pigs and then running back. It's brilliant to do with kids, if any of you have ever taught Sunday school. But you know what God really set in my heart was that actually the son that was the prodigal had actually known the father. The son had lived with the father. The son had experienced the goodness of the father. The son knew the full wealth of the father. And yet the son had chosen to walk away from all of that. And then when he came back, the father ran to him. Now, you might think, yeah, I know that, Rach. But I think the thing that really struck me is so often, I think when we think about the prodigal son, we think about long lost children coming back to God, people who've never known God coming back to God. But actually, in the story of the prodigal, the prodigal is actually a child who had known the father. This story is about someone who had known the father. It was somebody who had had relationship with the father coming back. And so, guys, I want to say to you, you might think, you know, I'm not as in love with Jesus as I once was. I'm not where I should be with God. You're the prodigal today. Come home. You might have known God better than you do now, but God's still the Father who is running towards you and drawing you home. And also particularly for those of you that maybe got family members or friends who once were with us on a Sunday morning and aren't anymore. They're not in church anymore. They've left and, and they've decided they don't want to follow God. Folks, it's never too late for them. They may already have experienced the goodness of God, but then they've walked away like the son had in this story. But guys, I really feel strongly there are prodigals that are going to come home. So don't give up praying for them. Don't give up believing that those prodigals will come home because the prodigal in this story had known the goodness of God, had known the goodness of the father and had walked away but was still coming home. So be encouraged this morning, it's never too late. So the gospels, can I encourage you? Get yourself back into a gospel. Read it as if you're reading it for the first time. You know, we can get disillusioned with people. We can get disillusioned with other Christians. We can even get disillusioned with the church. But when we set our eyes on Jesus, when we read those gospels, we realize that, that actually he is what it is all about. Last week, Andrew was talking about, um, about it, about Jesus being what it is all about. And so can I encourage you this week to get into those gospels and fall back in love with Jesus. You know, when I was thinking about this, and as I re-immersed myself, I thought about, um, you know, about uh, Christianity and being a Christian, and that word Christian, you know, the word Christian was first used in Acts 11, verse 26, and it, may, it basically means someone who adhered to the life and the teachings of Jesus. And as I was falling back in love with Jesus and I was realizing, God, oh, you know, he's just so amazing. He's so great. I began to think, well, I'm a Christian, so I should be like Jesus. So I thought, that's great. So I had a quick look at Jesus. Jesus was like this. Looked at myself. Nope. Okay, let's find another one. Uh, Jesus, me. Oh, sometimes. <laughs> Jesus, me uh, on a really good day and I began to realize that even though Jesus is such an amazing uh, amazing man and I'm a Christian so often I'm not very much like him all right and, it, and it, God wasn't berating me but as if I'm claiming to be a Christian and you know I, I'm quite happy you know to say I'm a Christian to anyone and I talk about going to church but if I'm saying that then I need to be 
like him. And yet, as I was looking at the Gospels and I was falling in love with Jesus and thinking, oh, do you know, he's amazing. He forgives people here. He's, you know, he's so kind over here. Do you know I mean, I looked at myself and thought, how much am I actually really like Jesus? Or am I just inspired by him, but it doesn't actually affect my life? So, so I did have a little look. You know, Jesus was really patient only got angry, really, with people who blocked the way to God. One commentator puts it this way. Interestingly, he rarely got mad about injustices done to him or when people said things that were pretty nasty about him. Instead, he, get, he got angry when someone kept other people from him. Jesus wanted all people to have the opportunity to know his love. And when, some, uh, and when those opportunities were squashed by rule or by person, that's when he got mad. I looked at myself. I was getting mad because there was a pot that had been left in the upstairs bedroom with ice cream in it, and I couldn't get it off. Do you know what I mean? I wasn't being very Jesus-like. Um, I also judging. You know, Jesus, you know, there was a woman caught in the act of adultery and Jesus didn't judge her. Do you know what I mean? Whereas I was being quite judgy of anyone who appeared to be breaking lockdown rules, even though I didn't know what the rules were because I couldn't keep up with them. Um, and when I didn't know people's circumstances. So all of this led me to that place where every good Christian gets, you feel challenged by God, all right? I'm going to be more like Jesus. I'm going to be more like Jesus. Uh, so I did exactly what all good Christians do, and that was I tried a bit harder. And so I tried a bit harder, especially with the children to be patient. Those of you who've got teenagers, you'll know what I'm talking about here. You try and be more patient, and then they seem to go out their way to aggravate you even more, so you get less patient, and it doesn't actually end up working. And so I, I was like quite frustrated, because I'd been looking at the Gospels, feeling really inspired by Jesus, feeling really challenged to be more like Jesus, trying my best to be more like Jesus. So I did what I should have done at the beginning, which was go back to the Bible, because uh, that's, that's what we should be doing. And I went back to the Bible and I realized that actually the source of Jesus's power, if you like, was the fact that even when he was really busy, he always pulled himself away to pray and have time with God. In Luke 5, verses, uh, verse 16, it says, uh, so he often withdrew into the wilderness and prayed. But if you look at the bit above it, it was, however, the report went out concerning him, and a great multitude came to see him and to be healed by him but from their infirmities. And then it says, and so he often withdrew. Jesus could only do what he was doing because he was in regular contact with the Father. And so he actually needed that time. Jesus spent time with the Father. And we need to too. And I know that's really obvious. But the thing that I've really been dwelling on is it's not just reading my Bible. It's not just spending time with God. But we've been celebrating Pentecost just recently, haven't we? The Holy Spirit comes to enable us to do what God is calling us to do. In other words, the Holy Spirit is coming to help us be more like Christ. And so as I spent time thinking about all of this, I thought about the fruits of the Spirit in Galatians 5 verse 22. It says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. You know, what I realized was if I put myself in the presence of God and I asked the Holy Spirit to fill me, I would have those characteristics of, of the fruit of the Spirit, but they are the very characteristics that Jesus was displaying. So what I realized is instead of me just working at it, I just needed to spend more time with God and just ask the Holy Spirit 
Spirit to actually help me walk more and more like Jesus. So my encouragement to you guys, really, my first encouragement is get back into the Gospels. Realize what a wonderful Savior we have. Read it for the first time and let the absolute joy of Jesus fill you again. My second encouragement to you this morning is if God challenges you by doing that, then don't try and do it on your own because it won't work. The Holy Spirit has not been given so that we can turn up to church on a Sunday morning and realize that God's there too. That's not what the Holy Spirit is. And yet so often that's what we sort of treat the Holy Spirit a bit like. We treat the Holy Spirit like he's just here to make me realize that God's here on a Sunday morning. But the Holy Spirit is so much more. And we've been, Andrew was talking about it even just a few moments ago. You know, if Jesus couldn't do it just by himself, but he had to withdraw and spend time with God and get get filled up in God's presence. How much more do we need to? You know, um, I want to just think a little bit then about the Holy Spirit. And I just want to look at a couple of scriptures because I really want to encourage us this morning um, to, you know, really allow the Holy Spirit to fill us, not just so that we can be blessed, because God does want to bless us, but that so we can leave this place and be a blessing, so that we can have the power we need to do the things that God is challenging us to do. Now, for me, that challenge was very much to be a bit more like it says on the tin. If my tin says Christian, then I want to be a bit more like that. But your challenge might be something different. It doesn't matter what God is challenging you to do. I want to encourage you this morning that the power is available by the Holy Spirit for you to be able to do whatever it is that God is encouraging you, challenging you, prodding you, poking you to do. So let's have a quick look at a couple of verses to do with the Holy Spirit. John 14 verse uh, 22, but the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said. The Holy Spirit wants to be our helper, our comforter, our intercessor, our um, counselor, our strengthener. He wants to remind us and teach us of the things that Jesus has said. The Holy Spirit is so much more than just a, a nice goosebumpy feeling on a Sunday morning church. The Holy Spirit is the power that we need to live our lives as Jesus has called us to. In Matthew, we read that Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, left the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. You know, the Holy Spirit wants to lead us this week into conversations, into situations where we can be like Christ in that situation. Can I give you a really practical example of this? Um, my daughter, Lana, she's not here, and I'm sure she wouldn't mind me saying this. Occasionally, we are, well, we're really similar. And occasionally, we clash because we're so similar. Uh, we both think we're right, um, which is a problem that we're both dealing with, um, particularly at the moment. But I remember we had, had a moment where we were, it was a bit, getting a bit tense in the house. Do you know what I mean? And it was a bit like, and, um, and I just felt the Holy Spirit drop into my spirit. Do not say another word. Just go and hug her. Now, for those of you who know me really well, I'm not a huggy person. I'll, I'll quite, quite happily give people a quick hug, but I'm not a real clingy, huggy person. It's just not what I am. And Lana loves hugs, absolutely adores you to hug her and hold on. But I'm not a holder on her when I hug. I sort of hug and tap you on the back. Or Those of you who know me well, tap you on the back and move on. But I just really felt the Holy Spirit drop into my spirit. Just go and hug her. Don't say another word. And I said, Lana, we're not talking anymore. I'm just going to give you a hug and then I'm going to walk away. And I hugged her, walked away. And literally the, the tension just went. 
do 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 you mean that was the Holy Spirit leading you know now I'm not saying it'd be like that for you I'm not saying God's going to tell you to go and hug your work colleague uh, I'm not suggesting that for one minute but you know the Holy Spirit can lead us in very practical ways church please let's not limit what the Spirit can can put into our spirits the Holy Spirit led Jesus into the wilderness I'm sure that's not what Jesus had in his head particularly at the time do you know what I mean at that particular time in my situation with Lani in my hugging her was the last thing I wanted to do um, but the Holy Spirit can lead us in Acts 30, uh, sorry, 13, verse 2, it said, While they were worshipping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart Barnabas and Saul. But the Holy Spirit can speak, not can speak so clearly to us directionally if we are open and willing. Acts 20, verse uh, 23, the Holy Spirit warned, all right? So the Holy Spirit can warn us, don't go there, don't do that. Um, 2 Timothy 1, verse 14, guard the deposits that has been entrusted to you. Sorry, guard the deposit that was entrusted to you. Guard it with the help of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit can help you guard things that you know that you need to hold on to. Um, And Acts 1 verse 8, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes to you and you will be my witnesses. So church, what I want to encourage you this morning is the Holy Spirit is there to help you be and do all that God wants you to do. For me, on my own journey, it was very much a case of I'd looked at the Gospels, felt really, really just fall, fell back in love with Jesus. Do you know what I mean? But then felt really challenged to be what it said on the tin, tried to do it on my own and failed. And then realized, really, the Holy Spirit isn't just there to give me a goosebump. He's there to give me the oomph, the power to do what I need to do. For you guys, it might not be that you feel that challenged about that. You might think, no, I feel all right about that. But you might be feeling challenged challenged about witnessing at work. You might be feeling challenged about spending more time in prayer over certain circumstances. And we all feel that, don't we? We all feel those challenges and we can feel those challenges, particularly in church on a Sunday morning when somebody preaches a really good message. You think, yeah, I feel really encouraged and challenged by that. But then we go into the week and the busyness of life just seems to sort of ebb away and chip away at that. I believe, church, we need to get real with the Holy Spirit and say, Holy Spirit, I believe you've just spoken to me. God, I believe you've just spoken to me. Holy Spirit, help me put this into practice. The Bible is littered with places where the Holy Spirit has strengthened people and helped people. And so my second encouragement this week, guys, is to, you know, be open to the Holy Spirit. Ask the Holy Spirit, give me the power to be what I'm meant to be. Um, I don't know if many of you know Milton Jones. He's actually a comedian. Uh, He's on mainstream telly, and I I find him really hilarious. But he is actually a Christian as well. And one of his little jokes is this. I hope you find it amusing. I did. Um, Being a Christian on... uh, Sorry, where is it? Um, If being a Christian is just about trying to be like Jesus on your own, you may as well be an Elvis impersonator, because it would be easier. I thought that was better than that. Um, But genuinely, you know, for me, the challenge was to be more like Jesus. You know, it would be easier for me to be an Elvis impersonator, even though I can't sing or dance, I could probably get the general gist going, than it would be to impersonate Jesus without the Holy Spirit. So, I'm, you know, I want to encourage you this morning, whatever you feel God is challenging you about, do it with the Holy Spirit. Jesus didn't do it on his own. You don't have to either. Now, for those of you that are interested 
How's it actually going? Well, if I was a tin of baked beans at the moment, if you opened the tin and had a little look inside, all right, you would see some baked beans in there. They're all right. There are still some shapes, all right, that maybe aren't so baked bean shaped and might not even be beans at all. But, you know, as I said at the start, Jesus is okay with messy people. You know, I, I, I really do feel that God is not berating me. He's encouraging me. And the Holy Spirit is the one that's giving me the power to become more and more like Jesus. Um, the final thing that I just want to mention, though, is one characteristic of Jesus that really, really stuck out to me, and that was kindness. And I don't know about you, but over the pandemic, I have seen on, on the television and in the media some really amazing people who have gone the extra mile, all right, and been so kind to people. And when I look at Jesus, I actually see that kindness repeated again and again. Nicodemus came to Jesus in the dark, in the night, and spoke to Jesus. And yet Jesus, if you actually look, took time to speak to him. Now, I don't know about you, if it was me and Nicodemus came to me in the dark, I probably would have said something along the lines of, nice to see you in the dark when no one else can see you, Nicodemus. Are you embarrassed to be with me? Do you know what I mean? But Jesus doesn't. He speaks to him. He speaks to him properly, and he tries to lead him um, to, um, to a place of understanding God. The adulteress, I've already mentioned her. He doesn't dwell on a sin. I think I might have got a little bit in there about, and next time, don't go sleeping with somebody else's husband. Um, Matthew, the tax collector, I'm sure I would have desperately wanted to say something about, please don't steal. But Jesus doesn't. He just invites him and spends time with him. The thief on the cross, again, do you know what I mean? I'm sure if I was on a cross hanging, the last thing I would be doing is being nice to the person next to you. I think I'd just be gritting my teeth and trying to get through it and just trying to just cope with it. I wouldn't be worried about the person next to me. I don't think I'd be showing kindness to the naughty person next to me who's, who's getting his just desserts. You know, but Jesus was so kind. And finally, and I'm sorry, mum, for saying this, when, when Jesus' mother is at the foot of the cross, Jesus even shows great kindness to her in that moment. I think I'd probably be thinking, Mum, not now. I've got enough on my plate. Can you not see? I'm a bit busy. Do you know what I mean? But Jesus was so, so kind. Now, when I looked at kindness, everything that came up was for kids. It was all Sunday school lessons. Because the bottom line is, sometimes as adults, we feel we have outgrown the need. We tell children all the time, oh, don't say that. It's not kind. And then we get on Facebook and we, oh, don't like her dress. Do you know what I mean? But can I say, kindness is not childish. Kindness is something that we need in our world and something that Jesus modeled regularly. So it's something that we as Christians should be showing. Romans 2 puts it this way. Um, or do you show contempt for the riches of his kindness, forbearance and patience, not realizing that God's kindness is intended to lead you to repentance? In the Passion, it says, do the riches of his extravagant, extravagant kindness make you take him for granted and despise him? Haven't you... Haven't you experienced how kind and understanding he's been to you? Don't mistake his tolerance for acceptance. Do you not realize all the wealth of his extravagant kindness is meant to melt your heart and lead you to repentance? Kindness is powerful. Kindness is powerful. And that's why Jesus modeled it and displayed it. And that's why in Colossians, we're encouraged in Colossians 12, 16, we're told as God's holy and dearly beloved people to put on kindness. You know, I want to encourage you this week um, to be 
kind. Look, go out of your way. Look for opportunities to be kind to people. I just want to look at one example, though, where Jesus was kind, and that led to amazing, uh, amazing things happen. And that place was the woman at the well. Now, the woman at the well was a social outcast. That's why she was there. We all know that. Now, I don't know about you, but I probably... As you already know, I'm not that Jesus-like, so there you go. That's why I'm not in this story. Um, Jesus uh, Jesus actually has a conversation with this woman. He speaks to this woman. I probably would have been very polite and sort of gone, good afternoon, and then I probably would have shuffled on. Do you know what I mean? Jesus doesn't. Jesus actually engages this woman who probably hasn't spoken to an awful lot of people socially for quite a long time because that's why she's at the well. She's a bit of a social outcast. But Jesus takes time out to speak to her. But when we look at the impact of Jesus doing that, firstly, she is saved. Secondly, she's brought back into relationship because actually she actually goes not only from Jesus, but she then goes into the town and into the surrounding area and speaks to other people. People who've previously shunned her, she gets back into relationship with because of what Jesus has done. And thirdly, other people are saved. Kindness is so, so powerful. Joyce Meyer shares a story um, of her own, uh, uh, part of her testimony. Um, for those of you who know Joyce Meyer, she was horrendously abused by her parents, both of them, um, in different ways. But she was challenged to bring her parents to live close to her, to buy them a house and care for them in, her old, uh, in their old age. And, you know, if you listen to Joyce Meyer, she was, she's really funny when she says, she, oh, that's the last thing on the planet Earth I wanted to do, da-da, but she had a bit of an argument with God and God won. Um, and basically, a couple of years later, her father um, actually became a Christian, but what he actually said was, I cannot understand how you and your husband have shown me so much kindness over these past couple of years when all I showed you was hurt. Do you know what I mean? It was her kindness to them that led them to repentance. This morning then, guys, my final encouragement is choose kindness this week. Pray for an opportunity to show kindness to people because you never know, all right, the impact that might well have. So three lessons, I guess, if you like, or three things that God's challenged me with during this period of lockdown. Firstly, read the Gospels. We serve a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful saviour. Try reading it like it's the first time. You can get disillusioned with people. You can even get disillusioned with church. But if you read the Gospels, you won't be disillusioned with Jesus. Fall in love with him again. Remember what your faith is about. It is about him. Secondly, if God challenges you, all right, whether it's to be more like Jesus or whether it's to something else, don't do it on your own. Jesus didn't do it on his own. If he can't, we can't either. The Holy Spirit is not about goosebumps, but the Holy Spirit is there to give us the oomph, to give us the, the energy, to give us the power to do what God is calling us to do. And finally, Jesus is our model. And he was so, so kind. So church, let us be Jesus this week to the people that we meet. Let us be kind when there's no need to be. But just because our saviour was so, so kind. And, and just be expectant when we are kind. All right, amazing things can actually happen.